Welcome to iPodcast Magic Missile, where we play games and talk geek. Broadcasting every week from the New River Valley in the beautiful mountains of Southwest Virginia, we bring you audio from some of the most exciting games, new and old. No actual wizard spells here, just actual play from great games. This is iPodcast Magic Missile. I went to a con, as I do. Uh, this last Friday, I flew out to Chicago for the Chicago, the first inaugural annual, possibly Chicago Long Con. And I've explained this before, but a Long Con is a convention where instead of playing in you know four or five hour slots every day, playing you know two or three different one shots, you play one game, multiple sessions. And because Jen begged me to, and also because I wanted to, um, I played Monster Hearts. Um, it was actually really neat. The the uh, it was on the it was uh, sort of on the uh, north side, not all the way up by Evanston. It's actually really close to um, Chicagoland Games and the Dice jo- Dice Dojo. But it, the venue was um, in a. It's actually a Christian communal living center of all things. But um, uh, one of the folks who's a big gamer happens to live there and and managed to get us the space for effectively free. Nice. Um, yes. It, it, the, the, the overall, the thing was 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 fairly you know low cost for everyone involved, other than you know the plane ticket. But I probably was the one coming from the furthest away. So Joe, who organized the thing, was was uh, uh, he's a regular on the Jankcast. Was was kind enough to put Jen and I up because Jen lives in the south suburbs uh, and uh, like an hour away plus traffic. Put us up at his lovely condo while his husband was out of town. So that was uh, that was really nice. Um, and uh, yeah, we just played. We hung out, played some cards against humanity the first night, um, and then played a bunch of Monster Hearts. And Jen ran the game, and uh, it was Monster Hearts. I don't, I won't need to tell you about my character. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to. Well, what about the, the mechanical implications and how particularly impressive the, those mechanical implications are? And did you get all of the XPs and like level up? You know what's actually lots of damage. Did, did you <laughs> <min-max> that shit. <laughs> I, I did not min max that shit. However, uh, I, three sessions was enough. Three four hour sessions was enough to get to four or five advances, which is actually well four advances. We didn't get two season advances, but that's like that's a fair amount of that is game. a lot of monster yeah. hearts. Well, remember our sessions were only two hours long ish, and we and it took us you know eight to ten sessions to hit season advance. So it was it was a pretty intense game. Um, and uh, Jen did a really great job running it, and it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was just it was a different experience because you're on one hand you're you're playing with strangers, right? Because um, you know the, the of the format, but on the other hand, um, you kind of get to know the people. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I actually didn't know anyone else other than Jen, who's you know who's running uh, at the table, and uh, I think we sort of all felt each other out, and you know because it's monster hearts. And that's it. Well, also, I only felt one other person up, but I felt everyone out. um, (laughs) Well, one of the things, too, is, you know, in a one-shot, one-shot Monster Hearts is everybody just sort of fires at everybody else and and stuff explodes, which I think is true of a lot of one-shots. This was interesting because I actually really made an effort to figure out what it was the other characters were trying to do with their playbooks and their characters and, like, sort of help that out. I also did play a werewolf. And the thing about the werewolf is the werewolf rewards you for just basically going at other players. I mean, the werewolf, it's like, I hurt you, I get strings on you. So it's, 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 and, and then you dark yourself, just, you know, anyone who More doesn't roll over on, on back and show belly gets eaten. So, um, but I did something that the last time I 
messed, the only other time I played was in a one shot, which only lasted about two hours. And the one thing I did was like, I decided, okay, I'm going to pick one of these people, and I'm loyal to that person. I'm their puppy. <laughs> that actually worked out. That actually worked out to be a really cool dynamic, because it was like, why is the werewolf deferring to the angel? I don't understand. And then like later on, we decided that the angel had smited me at some point. <laughs> and I just acknowledged her as dominant. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> She's the it's alpha. Awesome. So <laughs> there was also a point at which the neighbor—I don't know if you guys know about the neighbor. It's one of the new playbooks. I don't know if it's in uh, Second Skins or it's just a. But it's it's a. It's basically neighbors is is a mortal, but they're like the one who isn't clued in and is constantly running into trouble. That's awesome. It, That's a what a great character. It, it, it is. And it's like um, Joyce. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it actually turned out to be a great playbook, and we actually made a slight tweak to the neighbor, and I'll, I'll mention it here because I think it's a good one. It, there's a there's a rule that's like there's a move that you can take that's like if you run into the arms of uh, of something scary, if it's a PC, blah blah blah. If it's an NPC, it says the MC can make a hard move or you mark XP, and we decided that that's dumb. The NP makes this hard move as they like, and you mark XP. Mm. It's way better. <laughs> and so so she was just jumping she was always just running yeah and the neighbor also has this wonderful move where um TV watching vampires yeah it, it's it's if if somebody's if, if, if they're into somebody they have to start telling them all the reasons that they shouldn't be together and shut them down but if they're not into someone they they have to tell them all the nice things about them and turn them on <laughs> so the neighbor is just a trouble magnet <laughs> Um, but at one point, um, the neighbor who uh, I had perhaps scared a little bit, um, you know, decided, like, we were all having a conversation, the neighbor just decided that she wanted to run the hell away. So she's like, I run. And I'm like, you do? <laughs> I got a fixed action pattern for that. Yeah. <laughs> yup. <laughs> so that was, that was, that was a fun moment, because she runs, and I kind of look at Jen, and Jen looks at me, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> but, um, no, that was, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, there was, there was, there was homecoming dance, and... <laughs> That didn't an important fixture of all <laughs> campaigns. Well, the thing was that the other thing was that like in a lot of one shots, it's hard to have like an event. You can usually set people up in a setting, but unless it starts at prom, you're not going to have prom. But we just decided, okay, well, the third session is just going to be homecoming. You know, <laughs> so that that actually works out. I if if you if you've never done a long con, I really do recommend you know that format. Like, and that's something we could actually do at the store. I yeah, mean, we could, yeah. We could just say, "Hey, Saturday, bye, Saturday." Saturday, Sunday. That you know. yeah, because what we what we did was everyone showed up and hung out on Friday night, but then there was two sessions on Saturday and one on Sunday. And the things we we moved this because we were in a in a Christian you know communal thing, we moved the Sunday session later so that anyone who was you know doing church stuff could. I thought you were going to end do that church and then monster hearts. We played Cards Against Humanity <laughs> under a giant mural of Jesus. It was kind of awesome. <laughs> well, that is exactly how that game wants to be played. It's true. It totally does. So, um... We need to play Cards Against Humanity here. We, we totally do. Does anyone have it? I thought you had it. I do, but I didn't bring it. Um, I think I... I think I... Do we have it? I have apples to apples. I've actually never played it. Apples to apples is like pussy crazy. Apples to apples. Story Wars. Story Wars is fun. I actually did. We actually played Story Wars uh, briefly. Also, Jen has. Have you absorbed anything? Everyone I know this. This is a thing. Well, that's very different. That's that's. I told you this was going to happen. (laughs) I'm not even terrible. (laughs) 
Their flag is awful. It's all one color. <laughs> like I feel like I'm gonna year. show up and you're gonna be like, you know, wearing one of those like babushka things. It's Greenland's flag. It. <laughs> Wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to be able to like get something other than a scarf first. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So so that was cool. Yeah, we should totally do that. Like. I think a, a long con would be a fun thing to do. And yeah. the other thing sometimes they'll do is, and we're going to try to do this, a lot of long cons, they pick a single game, Marvel Heroic, Dresden Files, Monster Hearts, whatever, and they just have like multiple tables of it, and each table is like a different scene, and so people move back, and they have multiple GMs, and people move back and forth between the different, you know, depending on what they're doing. Oh. Which also so is kind of like interesting. the big game, and the classroom, exactly. and like the... That's a really cool way of doing like, it. All occurring simultaneously, and then you're like, I'm out of here. Gash. Yep. And then you're like, I'm going to the game. It, it does mean that there's more coordination. <laughs> <laughs> it does mean that there's more coordination, but it also means that like, if your characters aren't in the same scene, they don't necessarily know what happened, but you know, you can always tell them or text them. People can be passing text back and forth between tables. I'm serious. Like, it, it's a neat idea, and it works really well for certain games. Weren't they actually texting? Well, you, you could also be texting, although that means that you yes, you guys want to give everyone number. your phone number. Also, not everyone has unloaded text still. Yeah. Really? Weird. I don't know. I mean, you could use G plus chat. Yeah. Because everyone is on G plus and everyone, everyone circles everyone else on G plus. That's true. <laughs> yeah. What, what's true? Not, not everyone, everyone has, has a smartphone. smartphone. What weirdos? Story Wars. Mm-hmm. I totally mm-hmm. cheated at Story Wars. Well, I don't <gasps> totally cheat at Story Wars. But like, I forget who's. Oh man, I'm trying to remember who said a Story Wars. It might have been. It might have been. Uh, it might have been Kelly's. The, there was. Uh, Somebody was like, they just got Story Wars and they, they had kickstarted it, and so they had all the blank yeah. Story Wars cards. Like, feel free to like pull one out and make your own things for some of these. And so, like, the last fight was on a volcanic island, mm-hmm. and we decided that it was uh, time to like like make the, the the challenge was to make the volcano erupt or something like that. And so, of course, I made a card with Pele on it. <laughs> You're doing it wrong because you, what you have to do is get a bald, mad, evil scientist who has a drill a, with a nuclear bomb attached to it that drills to the center of the Earth and then blows up, causing all all, of all yeah, the volcanoes well, to, to that erupt. could have been the the the, the, the uh, artifact. Of the I think tool. that would have defeated uh, Pele. Gotten a bunch of orange crush cans. And Tom Hanks <laughs> carrying his floatable luggage. Tom Hanks um, also would have been good. Yeah, that, that would have worked as well. Yeah. But no. That's more metagaming than cheating, really. <laughs> it was fun. Because when I flipped out the card, everyone was like. I would have yeah. used Melisandre, maybe. Yeah. Maybe Danny. So well, it looked like a tropical island. I had to go with Pele. One of my favorite guns in Borderlands is the uh, Volcano. And unique weapons have red text, which is, it's it's a, it's a short little flavor sentence, and um, it's the it also corresponds to a special effect. But this particular one is a volcano, and the red text is Pele demands a sacrifice. Yes, <laughs> this is a sniper, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's a sniper yeah. rifle, and it explodes in a big gout of flame when I you hit people. My, but I love my volcano. I think my favorite part, my favorite thing is that they brought it back for Borderlands Two. Except instead of Pele demands a sacrifice, it's Pele humbly asks for a sacrifice. (laughs) (laughs) Or politely asks or something like that. But if you believe in him too much, doesn't he cause himself to not exist anymore? No, that would make too much sense. Mm. GW did that once. Mm. Yeah, they mentioned several times. That was the first Chaos God, right? Yes, that's one. 
Really? I've actually mm-hmm. thrived on disbelief. Yeah. yeah. It actually was well, all of the chaos that's, that's pretty much uh, first edition crap, though. Mm-hmm. That's it's, Rogue Trader. Kind of awesome, no, it's, it's, it's all the chaos gods. They're, they're all spawned from emotions. No, I mean, no, it, I mean that was a first edition. Oh, there were a lot of the chaos Rogue gods Trader gods that did not make it to second edition. Oh, gotcha. There were a lot of those. Yeah. Well, also, that's how D&D pantheons work. Um, they, 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 they exist based off of belief. And it, so depends on, uh, it depends on the um, <laughs> on the, the setting, I think. Almost, it's explicit in some settings and not in others. Almost every 3-5 character worshipped Oldemara. And yet, here we are. Fourth edition, no Oldemara. Explain that. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. <laughs> Is it yeah. because he's alphabetically high up and they don't have to read the descriptions of the other gods? No. Oh, okay. It's because he's the god of rogues. And D&D players. <laughs> <laughs> Patron god of D&D. We'll do bad things for money. <laughs> yep. For gold. Skill god. monkey. Chaotic douchebag. <laughs> That's what we need. We need a god of PCs. God of murder hobos. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they actually removed him just so that nobody was encouraging that shit. <laughs> I, I was actually trying the idea of making a god of atheists um, who was just like always frustrated. Like, I'm not like, a god, guys. No, he was a god. But from the he like to... looked after the people who didn't believe in him, <laughs> and it took a very special kind of person to not believe in gods at all. In D and D, because gods are actually exist, <laughs> yeah. right. and like other other people can like call them down. So like it'd be basically the anti magic god. Um, actually, there's a class that does that sort of. Um, without a god, though, they're called. Are you sure it's without a guy? Maybe he exists. Maybe they just think he doesn't exist. No, no, no. It, it's, it's, I'm, I'm joking. Um, they don't actually worship a god, but they're they're actually interested in killing all of the gods. Like, like they, uh, so they, they, they think gods shouldn't exist. I wanted to mention um, a blog that I won a contest from. Oh yeah. Um, it's called Facing the Great Tide. And the Great Tide is, of course, all of the unpainted plastic minis you have, oh. uh, which are gray. So uh, that's that's the joke in the blog's name. But uh, it's a 40K blog, and so they had a contest when they were getting close to 40,000 page views. Yep. And uh, basically you commented and like posted what your gray tide was, what unpainted minis you had to do. And I won. Uh, kind of cool thing is, it turns out the blog is local. Like the the guys actually come by fun and games sometimes, and uh, I got hundred bucks of GW stuff, six more jet bikes to terrorize L with, and anybody else. <laughs> oh, it's, it's those wave serpents, though. It's really sad that you said a hundred bucks worth of GW yeah. stuff and six bikes. Yeah, I'm depressed now. Also got two yeah. upgrades for the bikes, but yeah. GW, you know, stop pricing me out of my own game. $100 doesn't really get you a lot of GW stuff. That's like two models, maybe. Because I was looking at the Tau stuff, too, and I was like, oh... See, the Tau are big models. Yeah. Where it really eats you is Sisters of Battle. I was looking oh, at that God. today. Well, They're still metal. Don't look at that. That's, well, I, that's no, I, I just came... I didn't realize they were still selling them. I was like, well, really? And I was curious if they made new plastic kits. No, they haven't. They are still metal, sold in three-person blister packs. Yep. One hundred bucks will get you maybe, maybe a full squad. And the tragic thing is, forty k, as expensive as it is, is less expensive than fantasy, as I understand. Yep, it, it is. Yeah, it's it bullshit, is. man. It's fewer model counts. Yeah, because you've got you've got fewer models, and in 
fantasy. If you've got a unit of 30 models, you're like, okay, that's a cute medium-sized unit. Mm-hmm. Maybe 40's where you're looking for. for real 40k at 20 is a large unit, you know. 40k, I, I thought a 20-man unit would be, like, ridiculously huge. Such as a battle can take 20 I mean, Tyranids, Tyranids and Orcs bring 20-man units yeah. all the time. But those are 20-model units. A Turbagon <laughs> can belch out an 18-man unit. Yeah, a 20-man unit in Sisters of Battle is a un- little unusual. No. Well, you Just could do it. Joke. Oh, that's true. That is... That is oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh. Whereas, if we were playing Apocalypse World, it would be relatively easy to get a 20-man unit, because man counts as a uh, small gang. Yes. <laughs> I thought, uh, but no, but it's, but it's only one man. Yeah, and and a medium gang is like twenty people. Oh, so maybe so only like a ten or so. You have to well, need, you need like three mans yeah. to to have so, a twenty man unit. <laughs> <laughs> Math, but yeah, uh, Evan <coughs> is pretty awesome. What were you saying, Dave? Oh. You, what you actually said was, you, you, I think it was you, you brought t- talked about gods in in D anD D, right? Mm, yeah, and it's really interesting because I mean, how many? And, and let's be honest here, we know that like, not all of the our gaming group are atheists, not all of our gaming group are theists, but I think gamers in not general either. tend to be somewhere on the spectrum of not believing in, mostly not believing in God in the traditional conception thereof. It's probably due to how Satan loves board games. It's true he does. Satan loves board games and he tempts people who are weak like ourselves. With his mazes and monsters with far out no, games. I think right. it might be get some toast, get some toast and put jelly on it. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll drop it on your rental carpet. Mm-hmm. Oh no, he put jelly on both sides of the toast. <laughs> or do. <laughs> no, no, we just made a perpetual motion machine. Yeah. <laughs> Unless the devil's here. So, it'll land on both sides. <gasps> it'll just it'll land on the, the carpet will go, vroom! Accidentally jellied two pieces of bread. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that was uh, sort of struck me there was like, well, there's sort of, I mean, if you happen to be someone who isn't religious, and I'm not, um, there's sort of two ways to approach gods, and one is that the D&D tends to stat gods. Like we were talking about, like with the Lady of Pain, which a which, lot of them have stats. Lady of Pain is not a god. Lady of Pain is not a god. That's the, the, the whole point. She's, she's not. She does not have stats. Yep. But she's like one of the few powerful entities in the D and D verse that doesn't have. I think she's the only actually. She may be the only one. Yeah. Um, the only one left anyway. Yeah. Earlier editions that had more, I think. What about like Drizzt or some bullshit like that? Drizzt started out like a million different times. Elminster. He's like the best one. He had to make up new classes and rules and prestige classes for Elminster so he could have all the powers that he had. (laughs) But, um, so here's the thing, right? So one thing you can do is you can just stat them out and just make them really powerful monsters. And if it's just a really powerful monster that happens to have the ability to grant me spells, then, like, okay, well, if that's the way the world works, that's the way the world works. And they're actually fed by beliefs. So they're not really gods. They're just sort of really powerful... Super well, what the Christian god is too. No, it's not. No, it's he not Greek spells. gods. It's more like Greek gods. Well, the Greek gods seem to drive their power from belief. What though. do you mean he doesn't True. suppose he, he gave people the power what? to talk to animals and shit all the time? Like, no, well, he doesn't anymore. He doesn't you know, the power to shit all the time sounds pretty terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but like, unless you can do it on command. <laughs> and you can use that as like a defense mechanism. So, so I guess, I guess my, my, my sort <laughs> That's of. That's not all the time. Sure it is. 
If you're in a very stressful situation, that's a question of any and you just time. start rapid yeah. firing shit out of your ass. What is the animal that uses that as a defense mechanism? It's like a I think there's right? several. I'm sure there's at least one. I think it's a lizard that should. I've heard of this. Just like, yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 no, whales do it. Whales do it. No, whales do it. Yes. Whales do it the way squid release ink. Did you guys hear about this? That's gross. There are like blue whales, <laughs> and they have like. Uh, <laughs> well, that's beautiful, and I love you. <laughs> Plus but, one for Gryffindor. Yeah. I'm slowly <laughs> one. Too bad. Oh, Gryffindor too bad. gets the point yeah, anyway. Gryffindor gets the point. No! <laughs> Plagiarism. Quick poop and flee. <laughs> <laughs> so what we were like, talking about gods. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, though, like the Old Testament god, though, is the only coherent version of that thing, and I'll totally buy that that is like, you know, like a, you know, just like a badass, jealous-ass motherfucker who's powerful. And he's just going to smite you because his, he was better than all the yes. other gods. And he's like, you, you know what? Like, we're not supposed to believe in. Sorry yeah. I killed real. your kids, Job. Here's five more replacement kids. What do you mean they're not the same? Actually, did, did he actually say that they weren't Humans real? Or did you say that they were supposed to worship? I just said you weren't he said, to don't worship other gods. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Testament God makes sense cognitively. You shall have no other gods before me. Yeah. He didn't even well, say you couldn't have them. That's he just true. said you couldn't have them before me. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah no, it's worded pretty... It's worded but he didn't pretty say they God's were God's Jesus said that you can't worship both God and money. Also, Which is a, isn't well, everything next. before him because he's omniscient? Well, okay. I'm not sure that God was omniscient. No, I'm not sure it was Omniscience yeah. comes in later he in the theodicies. Very highly advanced uh, observation device. So you're saying God is an alien. So here's the thing, like... If you treat gods as just ultra power, like basically big demons or you know weird aliens with with you know ultra advanced tech, that's a that's a easy sort of out, right? Because mm-hmm. then even if you're an atheist or whatever, it doesn't matter because like kind of- so you, you could treat them as just really powerful monsters, right? And they have these powers. That one of their powers is they can give you spells and heal the sick and this and that, or hurt or hurt the the un- unsick, whatever, or hurt the sick or hurt the sick, you, any of the above, and so like. And again, you, like you said, the Greek gods had a lot of this type of... They're, they're just really powerful beings with agendas, right? And the Norse gods, in some ways, were the same way, right? They liked and beings. the Old Testament Christian god. Oh, at first. and well, The Jewish god at first. By the time the it was... Old a, Testament... Well, okay. Uh, the Greek gods really liked being worshipped because it, they liked the flattery. Yeah. They didn't get they their did. power from worship. They just liked no, being worshipped. They just didn't, they didn't. I think the biggest difference between the Judeo-Christian god and Greek gods is that the Greek gods... Um, they were more human. In oh, yeah. they were very human. Yeah, like like, and, and the Greeks did this intentionally, I think. Um, but if anyone actually believes in Greek gods, I apologize. But uh, because you're a crazy person. <laughs> but, but <laughs> Sorry like, for your life. I feel like they designed them intentionally. The, the, the Judeo-Christian god, I think, is is relatively unique. Um, I feel like the, the, the Islamic god and possibly um, maybe some Hindu. Are, are, are you big, know the Islamic God is just the Judeo-Christian God. They're the whole. Yeah. It's true. They're the yes. yeah. <laughs> sort of. There's some differences. Well, there's uh, another book of prophecy. Well, there's some differences there's, between the Jewish God and the Christian God. If you want to go that way, like they're they're actually yeah. very different uh, theologies. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's, just, it's just historically it's the religion. Same entity, All right. Whatever. Fine. I can it beat it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um. Actually, the 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 genetic. Inheritance of the gods across cultures is really fascinating yeah. to me. Like, so for instance, like um, uh, the Zeus, Jupiter, and uh, Div 
uh, as well as Tyr, are all the same yeah. god. They're, they're the original, like, Skyfather god in the um, Proto-Indo-European pantheon. So, like, like I don't know, they t- they take on different roles in the different pantheons, although it re- he remained the, the top god in the, the Greek and Roman. And they're also top big into fertility, if I, if I recall. What? They're all big into fertility, if I remember correctly. Thor was actually, I thought, of, wasn't he the male fertility god? In, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. But no, but no, Tyr, not Thor. Tyr's okay. a different, or two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is a, is a different god. But like... Lightning no, no, god. Thor was not fertility. Yeah. No, Thor was... Tyr oh. was one of the elder dragons in, uh, in it, Athos. Yeah, because they, they borrowed his name for a bunch of things. He was also a god in the Forgotten Realms. But it was, he was he's two or Tyr from the... Um, it's hard to keep him all from the, uh, from the From the Norse pantheon. Yeah. But like... And then, then there's yeah, there's there's um, what's interesting actually is that that there's so there's Ale, uh, who mm-hmm. is the Judeo-Christian god. Ale just means god, though. Yeah. So and Allah just means the god in Arabic. It's yeah. it's the same root, but it's the same root, right? So, um, you know, uh, but there was a Canaanite pantheon that had a bunch of other gods. Yeah, some of whom are tangentially mentioned in the Bible, um, who all sort of fell by the, the wayside. Um, but I, I wonder actually if there's any connection to any of the Egyptian gods because Egyptian also has Semitic language. Semitic language or an Afro-Asiatic language? I always forget. I think it's Afro-Asiatic. It's Afro-Asiatic. I'm not sure it's Semitic. Um, but, a, yeah. A lot of it... Uh, we're talking about... We're not talking about Egyptian Arabic, right? No, we're talking about like, okay, Egyptian yeah, Egyptian. That's, that's, yeah, 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 that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Afro-Asiatic. Uh, or like during, Ethiopian or whatever. During the Dark Age of uh, Greece, uh, right after they made all those hot classical uh, statues that we all know and love... Uh, they uh, had a lot of uh, communication with Egypt, and there's there's actually a huge amount of cross population. There aren't necessarily the specific gods uh, tr- being traded over, but gods who had similar shticks sort of sort of merged. merged. The stories merged. That, yeah. that that did happen a lot. Yeah, and, and actually, the the was the Greeks, the Romans really liked to think that their gods were the same gods as everyone else was, so they tried to find the parallels in the other cultures. The the Romans particularly because they use that as a uh, a marketing ploy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, worked out. Huh? Well, I mean, the Christians did the same thing with the saints. Whoever you're looking oh, yeah, 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 yeah. identified yeah. with the saints. Yeah. It's sort of a natural cultural imperialism thing. Well, but, like, useful. what I was going to ask about this was like, oh, okay, but like the fact is that like faith and belief and you know religion are sort of core elements of human experience, right? And we don't explore those things a lot in games, like. So has anyone had an experience here of, like, a game in which the gods weren't just powerful monsters, where there was actually, like, a, like, an element of that, like, of, of the, I don't know we use the, 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 find the right adjective for this, but, like, um. The otherworldly. Yeah. Um, sort of? Um, so like, super like, like, yeah, yeah. The, so, an actual, an actual higher power, faith being a thing that, 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 that is actually explored in the fiction. Uh, so, th- then the question is, what is the minimum limit of what is a god that is like that? I don't think it's a matter of what the gods are like. I think it's a matter... I'm just more asking what... Like, when you when you do your... Have you, have you, in, in RPGs or whatever, uh, have you ever been in a game that approached it? Well, here's my question. Are you talking purely about faith, as in the piousness of the character, or as far as gods being otherworldly things? As, like, distant... Any of the above, I, really. Because I've had both. Uh, I, I, I'm interested to hear that. Um, I, I, I've, I've had a druid, um, a three-five druid that was very devout. Uh, it was uh, she was actually an Egyptian druid, 
Uh, it was a mythos campaign, as my DM, as the DM dubbed it. Um, it's basically Asian mythology, which okay. for anyone who's ever played that, it's basically ancient Greece, uh, the the ancient the, the Vikings, the Egypt, ancient Egyptians, all the Mayans, uh, or Mayans, Aztecs, kind of all slammed together. It's like <laughs> that's great, and, 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 and it's all like all the pantheons are real simultaneously, even though they're actually as you do in D and D, precisely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so in this particular campaign, we were all heroes from our perspe- respective realms, and we were all sent by our respective deities, which some worshipped more than others. Um, we had a sorcerer who was relatively, uh, actually, atheistic, oddly. Um, not that he didn't believe in gods, he just thought he was better than them, sort of. It, <laughs> mechanically, mechanically, he thought they were just big, powerful monsters, and eventually he'd be powerful enough to get them. Yeah, yeah. mechanically he was, that's Well, he was a 3-5 wizard. Um, sor- yeah, sorcerer. So he might sorcerer. actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. He, he also was, like, a, a half-fey, something-blooded, lesser Asimar, something-something. He's... It, it was yeah. complicated. Anyway. Either way. Long story short, um, we, we, we were sent by respective deities to help the Aztecs with their end-of-the-world problem. And um, <laughs> um, it's actually ended very very hilariously. I, uh, I began telling Yanni this story. I never finished. Uh, I'll tell you guys at some point. It's a long story, though. Um, but my character was actually really very pious. Probably the most pious of the group. Uh, we did have a cleric of Zeus, but he kind of went around just doing... Fuckery, um, literally and and figuratively. That sounds like um, Zeus. It, oh yeah, I mean, following the footsteps. Following in Zeus's footsteps. Well, it's not too pious. I think I feel like my character um, really took the religion seriously. I actually looked up. Yeah. Um, she worshipped. Um, uh, what's the name of the uh, the war goddess? It was actually war and fertility. It was an interesting combination. Hot. Um, nice. Yeah, it was. It was it, it, <laughs> some 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 people split it into two gods. I wish I could remember her name. We can look it up later. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, split it into two gods. The goddess. Uh, it's, it's the cat-faced one. Yeah, um, the lion. Yeah. It, Someone actually was posting an awesome comic about her on Tumblr today. It was mm-hmm. really cool. It's the, the lion or the cat, but like some places combine. It. I, I chose the combined one because um, I thought it was much more interesting. So, so what, was this supported by the rules, or was this something that you guys chose to do this way? Um, this is something we entirely chose to do this way, um, and which is why I, I, I say my character was, was relatively pious more than everyone else. Because I actually looked up actual ancient Egyptian religious practices, mm-hmm. and I didn't copy it exactly, but I, I brought in elements as I saw fit. You know, um, the I, I actually made a role-playing endeavor to actually role-play the waking up at, at, at dawn to prepare spells. Because mm-hmm. they, they um, I don't know how, how up to, Will, you probably know, more, but um, I don't know how up to scratch you are in ancient Egyptian rites, but they they actually, like, did things like shave their entire body before entering the uh, the temple, or right, as, like, priests and things, and uh, and they, they had ordeals and things and, and stuff, and, and I actually sought to role-play that, because I thought it'd be interesting. Because a lot of people play Paladins of Pelor. They're just like, in the name of Pelor, I kill evil. But you don't really and, think and of what it means to be to, to believe that strongly in Pelor. Not just precisely. in the principle, but in Pelor himself. Um, and then I, I also kind of took that, as we ran into people who believed in other gods, I kind of, there, there was a little bit of friction there. And I'm kind of like, no, my god says this, and I'm going to do that, because my god told me to. You know, and, and because the gods are real and actually talking to us, it added some power behind that. Um, the the uh, the other thing that where God's being kind of eldritch spiritual distant things played a Pathfinder game actually, um, which w- was actually an interesting mix. We had uh, we had two gods, we, we we had kind of two pantheons in a, in a, effectively. One pantheon 
was um, the regular Pantheon, which was just powerful monsters. Uh, that was the, that was just kind of existed and stuff. But we had a problem with another world's gods coming over. Um, and these guys, uh, one in particular, were infected with this this god-blooded disease, and so we were worried about people were worried about our pan- the local pantheon catching it, that sort of thing. But the the, the distant god, the, the gods from the other dimension, for lack of a better word, were very alien. Uh, I mean, they, they they appeared human mostly when people saw them, but they're they didn't think they're almost like Fugu mythos kind of stuff. Not necessarily in that level of evilness. Sort of orange and blue morality, yeah. sort of. Yeah, well, they, they just had a different agenda. Their thought processes were completely different. Um, they they had a they, they had a, a god the DM or they just named named the Chained God because he he was subjected to such horrendous torture and stuff that he like he was almost pitiable and he wanted to help people but at the same time he wanted to inflict on other people and it was this weird complicated thing which was I thought really refreshing in a D and D like setting. Where most of the time gods are like, these are my domains, and this is what we're sticking with. Yeah, you either help people or you hurt people. Yeah. Depending on whether I'm good or evil. Yeah. And this guy was was both. He actually had a lawful good paladin and chaotic evil, ne- like necromancers, all under his sway in different regions. It was very interesting. Um, but yeah, that, remember, that's my experiences with gods. I remember when I... One of the interesting things is, so, we were in the Dresden Files game. And the thing about Dresden Files is that, like, religion and faith are real in Dresden. Like, yeah. yeah. And so I remember, and, and really, this is probably the only, the only one in which I actually, I think that 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 was that refracted in in Heiko, who is not here, played um, a a priest. Well, not a priest, but a reverend. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I mean, he is he is actually a he's a he's a Christian, and so so I think he really sort of understood the the mindset um, of the, the uh, of that character, but like really played it out like you he was doing trying to do the right thing by god and you know as as a as a holy man in that game especially at low level i guess you call it or low refresh you don't have like a ton of power but certainly like god does work in your life yeah. like like the spend a foot fate point to show up to help people sort of thing that like, was god, so yeah, awesome you could just awesome. be anywhere <laughs> so like like it was like that so it was that sort of thing it was like it was like like it was very subtle but it was there and he played it straight and he played it. I mean, because because he, I think he identified with with what that character was doing. And then you, can, you guys could add more to that 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 particular campaign. But I thought that was, I I found that very refreshing. In fact, it, at first he was actually very upset that in order to play a, a reverend that put him in a playbook that was not vanilla human, you know. But I think he sort of embraced that as the, as the campaign went on because I think his his original concept was just a guy, but. Just a guy who's a religious leader isn't just a guy in Dresden. Yeah. Yeah. Can you guys add anything to... I'm, I'm thinking of video games, actually. No, that's good, too. I mean, I think that's I think that's really relevant. Isn't faith a stat in, uh, in Dark Souls? Okay, in Dark Souls. That's, we, we talked stat. about that, and that's dumb. <laughs> it is dumb. It's stupid as shit. <laughs> God, I'm trying to remember what game I, I, I played this game. That had... Dragon Age has a really interesting... Oh, I won't get into it. Mythology, but I mean, if you guys remember that, there's a there's 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 definitely a, there's a church there, and it's 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 interesting. I I've been thinking about trying to find a way to mechanize worship 
Um, I, give me battle suits and tanks. <laughs> That's not what I meant, though. That Drive sounds pretty closer. awesome. I want you to bless them with my holy instrument. <laughs> but you know, a, a lot of a lot of religions slash superstitions have things like you know, you say a thing when a thing happens, or you do a specific oh. thing at a time. And the the thought was, you know, if you do this enough, you sort of you you build up standing with your god, mm-hmm. and then you can like call down favors, but you know, if you forget to, like, say the right words as you go through a doorway, you're going to lose standing with the god, and, you know, when you try and turn undead, it might not work. But, but I couldn't think of any good way to actually, like, make that interesting I think that's in a really play. neat idea, but it sort of also is the same as statting up gods. It makes them something mechanical as opposed to then your character doesn't have a reason to have faith other than that the god will actually help them if they follow the, the, the formula ABC, right? I, I, right, I, I right. think what I would actually do with that is I wouldn't actually technically mechanize it. I would mechanize it in the sense that the DM has the ability... I mean, the DM does, but like, I would tell the player this and be mm-hmm. like, your character believes in this god. The god may help you. But it also just may be random happenstance. Mm-hmm. I've done this with magic before. I've done this in settings where um, I was DMing and uh, where I wanted it like like magic to be like kind of is it real? Like I wanted the players themselves questioning that. It, it was actually uh, which actually I think is really parallel to this, right? Yeah, it, it is because magic should also be mysterious and perhaps not mechanized. Precisely. But go ahead. And um, well, I, I just imagine a very similar idea working with gods as being like, yeah, my character believes in this god and. This cool thing happened. Was it luck? You know, I, the DM rolled some dice. Was it that? I, you know, it sort of does imply a, a lower magic type campaign, though, because it's one of those things where miracles are actually miracles. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember. This is like a this is tangential, so maybe a thing something more related. Go no, I don't. There was an indie game that was two or three years ago, and it was very short. I don't remember what it's called, but I'm sure I will. And if we, if I do, we should put it up on the. Describe link. what it. Is so basically, about. you were it, you were it, like an adventurer, um, but it was less of like a you know, Skyrim Legend of Zelda, but and more of a kind of like, um, your tone was almost like Game of Thrones ish in terms of like low fantasy. The idea was that you were playing through this game, and you would die. Or something bad would happen to you, and you were being kept alive by this kind of cruel god that you never see and is, like, referenced to, and people talk about their faith in it and shit. But the only interaction you ever have with this god is that he's forcing you to be alive throughout the game, so you have to keep on going and doing That really shit. doesn't sound familiar, but it sounds really cool. I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember what it was is called. Is it a two-player game, then, or...? No, no, it's it's a solo game. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like Planescape Torment. Um, Planescape Torment is just no, an outstanding game. I don't. That that is a theme yeah. of that, but I don't, I don't know think, if it's like you know there was never a name for the god other than like you know just it was super super. Was it distant. a Planescape, or am I thinking of something different? Planescape I have no idea. Has, called. has the has the nameless Nijek immortal trope, but it's for slightly different reasons. Actually. Well, you you have you were a person who knew who they were. Yeah. Like so it's uh, this was just like you were being kept alive to finish this, and you would, I know, you would not it. let you die. It's on Steam, right? It's, yeah. a, it's an isometric thing. It's on what, Steam. It was I'm, an indie I'm, game. I, I know exactly time. what you're talking about. I'm I'm out we're, there. Good. We're, good. we're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah, but I don't know why my computer. That sounds. Yeah, you know. What yeah, I'm yeah, I do. I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was Planescape because I, I can see the screenshot in my mind, and it looks kind of like. Yeah. You know. There's. 
It was dark as fuck, though. I really liked that because, though, because, like, that was the only influence over your life that there was that you were being forced to keep going. I'm listening to an actual play of They Became Flesh uh, right now, and that's a, that's a recent indie RPG. And basically, there's you're, the players play as fallen angels, uh, and the one player plays as humanity, and so they play all the human NPCs. One player plays as God, and God's angels. But God doesn't... I think God doesn't show up so much as his angels show up, and they all have revelations, which can be contradictory, that they're trying to enforce. That's awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. So it's it's, it's very... It, I, I like that setup. I, I have to hear how the... I, I, will, I have to hear how the game actually plays. And, and I think a lot of game systems don't... We always want to make everything tangible. I think a lot of... And I think a lot of role players aren't necessarily comfortable well, It's the same problem that Cthulhu games have. Uh, like, Call of Cthulhu makes the monsters tangible by setting them up, you yeah, know? Yeah, which is not how Cthulhu works. It, it's, yeah. It, yeah, it's bullshit. I, I, and that's why I like The Lady of Pain. The, well, that's why I like Cthulhu the Dark, because in Cthulhu the Dark, one of the rules is you can't <laughs> fight a monster. If you fight a monster, you die. Well, you can fight a monster, but if you fight a monster, you die. You cannot possibly beat a monster. I, I just think it's such a... It, it's a very unfortunate thing that it's not something I feel like it's the place to explore that if you know you have a very large you know liberally religious uh, or not liberally uh, like casually religious um, an agnostic and atheistic group it seems like the a really good way to explore what faith is like and stuff like that exactly well it's like it's like a lot of what we do here is exploration a lot of yeah. what we do is playing the other or it's exploring some part of ourselves that we're not comfortable exploring in other ways or seeing what it's like to blank right I mean the thing about well, the things that we have done here at this table I mean you know well you can't you can't <laughs> talk about that on the podcast <laughs> yeah if you want games over the table if, 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 but like, like, but if you like, want to hear about it you have to listen to the podcast you can't listen to the podcast to find out about it <laughs> <laughs> but seriously though like like and that we haven't really explored that. Like, it, it's it's just interesting to me. And and I'm wondering if there's any ways that people, like I said, if if anyone else has any ideas of ways to bring that into your games and make that like a thing. Oh, I felt like the uh, the Infernal playbook was actually to a degree. good yeah. a good way of having an external force that was basically impossibly powerful mm-hmm. and, and sort of inscrutable too. Yeah, and just. You know, had some directives for you. Was in charge of your life, more or less. Is this Monster Hearts? Yeah. 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 The Monster Hearts yeah. Infernal playbook, I feel like, would be... If, if I were looking to play that game. impose <laughs> some sort of external forces on a paladin in D&D, say, I would probably start by looking at the Infernal playbook. Yeah, no, I, I think a lot of the really AW and Powered by AW games do a good job of keeping the mystery mysterious. Like, D&D... You've got magic items. You've got a plus three magic sword. In Dungeon World, you don't really get a plus three magic sword. You get the sword of blank, which might do a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've got a really good wizard, you might be able to figure out a little bit better what it does. But it's more like a story about what it does. Yeah. And not, it's not, this was the, the orc cleaver created by the high elves in the plus ancient seven times. seven versus dragons, plus five versus orcs, uh, and plus three to your saving throws. No. No. Uh, which is what D&D does, which takes some of the mystery away. Like, one of the things I liked about playing old, old D&D is if the players didn't... Pe- people weren't familiar enough with the game, hadn't read all of the books, you'd, you'd get a magic item book 
and you couldn't go on the internet and look up all the stuff in it. So the DM would have the magic item book, and we would give players <laughs> items from the book, but you wouldn't tell them exactly what it did. No, you wouldn't. And That's why I make up items. Oh, I, I, I do that too. Yeah. I basically yeah. never use canon items. I don't either. Um, because it, it's not interesting that way. And like, Unless what you're it's saying. A canon. It's true. Um, what you're saying with the story? The non-cabin cabin. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I always do for my players. Is I always make up a, a, uh, like if I have a magic sword, I always name it. I always come up with about a two sentence blurb of why it has that name, and I give them maybe a rough idea of what it does, you know, um, and let them kind of figure it out because it's more fun that way. I think. Um, and at some point, I'll, like D and D, you kind of have to tell them at some point. Yeah, it's a plus three. But like, that's the last thing I say, because otherwise they're just like, oh, it's that and that, that and that, and that. you start doing the math in your head, and then it mm-hmm. then it becomes a numbers game. Yeah, and that defeats the point. I and think mo- and it's, it's far better if your players are picking their weapons based on how cool they are and not mm-hmm. what the what biggest bonus it gives them. Because the, the, the tragic thing in D and D is if I'm a, a dwarf. I am going to pick a magic or a regular hammer over uh, this really cool magic item, magic sword, sword yeah. like every day because That's... I've got mechanical implications that make my hammers equal to this magic sword. Well, that's not really the point. Yeah. That's why I if I ever run another 4th edition campaign, I'm going to be handing out magic items in the form of uh, like one-handed weapon or whatever whatever class of item it is. Because it's a magic item. I feel like if the dwarf meditates on the magic sword, why can't it be a hammer? I don't see why not. There is a indie RPG like that was recently kickstarted called uh, Axes and Anvils. Axes like Max. Yeah, cool. Um, it's a it's a it's not a dwarf only setting, but all <laughs> but all the PCs are dwarves. It's it's a dwarf centric uh, p- uh, game. Is this video or role playing? Uh, role playing. Okay. Yeah, it's tabletop. Um, and um, it's it. I, it's kind of an interesting setup because, in some ways, it's similar to fourth edition. You have like you have kind of like modular powers, sort of thing. You have eight classes and things, but um, you uh, you actually as a on the first session, you actually build a clan and you get powers from based on your clan. And as a group, you kind of decide that it's cool. But um, my favorite part about it, I think, is that you pick your class, and the classes are relatively generic. Um, if I had one complaint about the rules, it was that everything was very generic. But what it did allow you to do is what you, you were saying is if you were a barbarian, it did not matter what armor you were wearing, what weapon you were wielding. Like if you wanted to be a bar- barbarian, because like, you had it, you had a, like a like a I think it was a, like it was a polyhedral, so it was like you had a D10 for defense or whatever, and that D10 could be re- represented by a single magical shield, by you just being very quick. By you wearing lots of plate armor, and same thing with the weapons. You could pick whatever kind of weapon you thought was suiting, which was really nice to see and really it, refreshing. It's very free because it lets you determine the fiction instead of yeah. Well, it also lets, it also lets you to define part of the setting. Well, the setting in your character. Yeah, because so often you'll be like, oh, well, you know, my character's a dwarf and he really likes axes because of you know background reasons, whatever, but. Oh, I just got this new magic sword, and it's really sweet, and it's gonna be better, you know. Or, or you look at it, and it's like, oh, but we're this is gonna be a demon campaign, so I'm, it's an anti. Yeah, I'll go with this, and it, it just lose something in translation. I think. I, I totally, yeah. I, and actually, that's one of the really neat things about Dungeon World. The Dungeon World has the same aesthetic. It's like, yo, you have two armor, okay? Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. In Dungeon World, you actually two armor is typically like chainmail or something like mm-hmm. that. But like, 
Like, it's, it's, or even more in Apocalypse World, like, one armor can be anything you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Whatever, what's your look? You know, are you wearing leather? Are you wearing chains? Are you wearing, I don't know. Nothing. Nothing. Pillows. I was going to say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> if you're battle babe. Yep, yep. That's two armor. <laughs> yep. <laughs> nothing. Unless you're doing something stupid. Yeah. And then it's three armor? It could be three armor, yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think we, we were talking about here that, that struck me is that what makes a god a god rather than a statted out powerful thing is not knowing about it. Yes. Yeah. No matter how powerful a statted out thing is, uh, according to the definition that we've been working on, it can't be a god. The, the mystery and faith is, is a requisite for a god. Being able to be fully understood to any degree means it can't possibly be a god. Part of the problem there is that it is really hard to enumerate a god in a role-playing game without statting it out somehow. No, it's very easy. Well, What if you stat it out very quietly? Or what if you don't stat it out at all? I mean... No, (laughs) No, what do you mean, Duncan? Oh, okay. Alright, so I was thinking of a second thing, aside from the Infernal playbook, which is really one of the places I would look. But the other thing I was thinking about was in, like, 4th edition, because, you know, it's just beat em up mm-hmm. game, um, is I would look at, say, relics. Like, the the here's the things that please your god, and here's the things that displease your god. And, you know, maybe tell have the players come up with it, because it's their god. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you don't have to tell them if their god is pleased with them or not. You just keep track of their, like, karma or whatever. And maybe you write down some things. It's like, oh, well, if your karma's three once per encounter, I'll fudge an attack roll. It'll miss you. And so then they have... there. There's an invisible hand on the scales. And if they're running around, like, peeing on homeless people, <laughs> and their god is the god of homeless people, then... Maybe a lot more attacks are hitting them, and they're like, oh no, my luck is terrible. And you're like, yes. But yes, if it's it the is. god of peanut homeless that, people, then they're okay. Yeah, then they just keep getting missed, and everyone's like, why do they get to get missed all the time? That's like, actually so, a really good way of doing, keeping yeah, the mystery, I think. That, I really yeah, like that. That reminds me of Trader Points in some of the older editions of Paranoia. Um, <laughs> really? Yes. Like, almost literally, and I can't believe I forgot about that. How's that work? Basically, just like that. Okay. Except that it's the computer, not a friend, god. Yeah, it's friend computer. Well, well but, uh, whether or not the computer thinks you are but a traitor. Friend, but um, well, more like how often bad stuff happens to you, or your bald-faced lies are believed, or... Um, but that also reminded me of another thing. If you've got the god of peeing on homeless people and the god of homeless people, um, you know what you never have in D&D? Is... Uh, um, not polygamists. Um, polytheists. Uh, polytheists. Yeah. Polytheists who venerate an entire pantheon, or even just two people. But you know, you have- in in our present world, where God's existence is not completely evident and irrefutable, we have we did have people who mo- worshipped multiple people. But in D anD D, where you had multiple gods, like. You that know, were if, obviously yeah. There. If, if I see if I see her god come down and smite a guy, and then I see his god come down and smite a guy, 
I'm going to believe in both of them. And, and I might, most, but they are most people in his, all of them. Most yeah. people historically would give offerings to different gods depending on what they wanted, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like the idea that yeah. you have a polytheistic religion and yet you only venerate one of the gods is silly. Well, the problem is that gods, gods aren't like vending machines. You can't just put attention in and they'll put out some I, I know. Yeah. I, I guess. That actually goes you know, back to my whole mechanistic and if you worship idea is you know you go to the temple of Kord. Yeah, maybe like they know you go through a door. You have to say a prayer. That's like in grad school. But you, know, you, you network. You say with a, a prayer team. either well, to like God, God, God A or God B when you go through the door. And you know if if you if you say the the war prayer when you leave your house, then the war god will be more happy with you. But what if you say the fertility prayer uh, because you're I'm not trying allowing to, that in my D and D campaign. With fertility prayers, they don't help you. Okay. <laughs> well, you tend not to make rolls for things that helps out. So, Caitlin, you were saying monster hearts, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's just like you know when you're networking, or like when you're like a grad student, and you know you you have like a faculty member that you do lots of research with, and you like network and do research for other people too. But I mean, like you know those relationships, if you strengthen them too much, you lose the relationship with your own advisor, and you want to have get the benefits of working with your advisor. So you just kind of focus on one person's research or one god's works, and you guys the other things you know they're there, but you don't focus on it, you know. But but you still include them, mo- right. Like nominally. Are you saying that advisors are sort of mysterious and inscrutable beings? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes I am. You know, who have the power to destroy your life? I still or, bet, or, or make it beautiful. Yeah, I still haven't gotten my emails back on uh, my classes for next semester for mine. <laughs> She's yeah. a terrible, terrible advisor. Maybe you haven't been like doing the right sacrifices. I, th- I think that's right. You need to shake a day chicken over her desk. Yeah. She's adorable. But there's um, an altar out back. If you want to go burn some offerings? Mm, okay. So I, it does actually. It's interesting because I think computer and paranoia does actually qualify as a god under the definition that we're using, <laughs> and actually a lot better than like most D and D gods. Oh, of course, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not actually a supernatural being. It, it doesn't seem. But that then it way. doesn't matter. That's the point. Well, is yeah. it's not what being makes inscrutable it inscrutable and in charge. Yep. Is kind of the and target. Basically, all powerful. Mm-hmm. So if we're an advisor. <laughs> I, I've told Yanni this, but there, uh, there's a. I, I love mysterious beings like the Lady of Pain. One re- the reason I like her so much is because she's not statted. Yeah. I think that's lovely. I love mystery. And the Volans are the exact same way. I, I, there's some old uh, uh, Bab 5 RPG, and the entire entry for the Volans is like. Because it's going through all the, all the races and their stats and shit, and it's just like, you lose. Trust me, you lose. <laughs> that won't work. No, not that either. Not even that. You lose. <laughs> I love that. And that's, that's well, the whole intro. Well, like we were talking about before too. Like, like um, it's really, it's really disappointing when you see the Elder Tor on screen because it can never be as interesting when you see what it looks like because it's supposed to have all sorts of like to be undescribable exactly it's supposed to be undescribable and just in all sorts of dimensions that your eye can't well, process you're just seeing the part that's not feasting on the flesh of other dimensions that's true but it can still be indescribable and the point where I can describe it in its entirety you can't describe it, it in its entirety do you know what, do you know what the it best the do you know what the best on screen Eldritch of- Horror was in any game who played Star Control Star Control 2 the oars. No, no. It was just, just, the two of us. just the two of us. <laughs> the oars were adorable. They looked like little clownfish. 
And they spoke in starfish language. I mean, they basically, like, every other, everything was happy campers are the best. Mm-hmm. It is. I am expanding to meet you. And all this, like, the, and, like, like, untranslatable words would be in asterisks. They were terrifying. Mm-hmm. They were the fingers of some sort of extra-dimensional eldritch horror that lived Ooh. below. <laughs> and they were these adorable little clownfish thing. <laughs> we are many figures. <laughs> you see us as separate bubbles, but we are <laughs> we are we are oars. Like and it's like this they're they're chipper and cheery and um What's this game? Star, Star Control, Control two. It, the Urquan Masters. The Urquan Masters. I told you. Oh, is that one? Yeah, yeah the oars are outside the game. Okay, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they've remade it as, a, as an open source that. or freeware thing called the Urquan Masters, based on the 3DO version, which had a little bit different music, etc. So anyway, but yeah, so the oars are terrifying because like they're they're perfectly willing to help you. They are badass in battle. Like they're 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 fun. They're chipper all the time. They'll don't ask what happened to the Androsynth. Don't ask them what happened to the Androsynth. Is that like a machine that makes men? The Androsynth were a race of synthetic men who broke off from humans ages ago. All right. And became battle thralls of the Urquan, um, and became very powerful, and then just disappeared. And their home system is currently occupied by ores. And we don't know why. <laughs> and you'll never find out. But if you go to the surface and start, send scientists in and start researching it, they don't come out well. Just put it that way. And don't ask about the Andresynth. Well, damn it, now I have to go do that in Road to Save Game. Fuck. You do it back. I have to do it in Road to Save Game. But it's, but it's like, they were, they were the best because, because they, because again, they didn't try to portray Eldritch Horror. They simply suggested at it. That's so cool. <laughs> that's it's fucking awesome. That's fantastic. They're the best part of that game. Uh, I, I think the Kunk were my favorite. Rainbow, but it's hard. The, the Kunk were fun. Um... The Pekunk were a lot of fun. And all of that's the all the alien races in that in that. Is that tea? This coffee, I could make tea. Yeah. If it's coffee, I'll take coffee. But can we make more coffee? Left. I think we're yeah. out of coffee. Okay. Sorry. But yeah, <laughs> so that is how you do Eldritch it's Horror. It's like no alcohol. I'm gonna need caffeine. I think instead. that's how you do anything mysterious. Eldritch Horror gods. Yeah. Um, compu- friend computer. Yeah. You yeah. know who? Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman are great at gods. I don't. Uh, if you've ever read the old Dragonlance books or yes. the even the Deathgate cycle. Yeah. Their their high god, their their space Jesus, as it were, always manifests as a kindly old wizard, in all of their books, even in different universes. I know a show where they have it as a kindly British man. There you go. <laughs> but the but in the canon. I think <laughs> but the but the but the yeah. point is that like he exudes all of the positive aspects that you'd expect, but he's unassuming. And so you know that there's this immense power underneath there, or you suspect there is, because they never come out and say that he's God. <laughs> but you, you see what I'm sure saying? It's not just like the 14th Doctor. No. <laughs> the 32nd Doctor. 32nd Gandalf. <laughs> but they don't. Yes, yeah, they don't. In, in you know, in Dragonlance, they don't show you Paladine. They show you Fizzbon, the wizard, who is like also great because he's sort of their their response to Elminster because he's this bumbling old guy who can never remember any spells. See, that just makes me think of Fizzbitch, which was one of the fake energy drinks from... There you go. Our- <laughs> Ruined forever. Thank you, Caitlin. Fizzbitch. <laughs> Dove. <laughs> Sorry. And I think that actually that the, the idea of having the 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 Avatar, because we're, we, we love to have Avatars of God's come down, mm-hmm. but the Avatar actually being the still small voice and not the, you know, and not the glowing 70-foot-tall, you know... 
With a, with a flaming sword. I just like the puppet with the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Last year for, Nash, uh, for NaNoWriMo, when I tried to do it for a while, I had... Uh, <laughs> I had... Uh, folklore Jesus uh, as a character, like like the one from like uh, some of uh, some of the fringe Islamic folklore, where he like goes around healing animals and like talking to animals and being like kicking mountains, kicking mountains, being frustrated and like always in this passive aggressive battle with the devil. So he's like always talking about like he like in order to enter the kingdom of heaven you have to have complete loathing for everything on earth like that was one of the tenets he had wow. so he's always going around being Damn. creaky so I wanted to have a character like who was and I had a character who was just Jesus and he worked at a Seven Eleven and he hated it because he always had the night shift and that was just like you know I just followed this character for no reason for days because I couldn't think of any plot so it just ended up never going anywhere but the point is it could have gone somewhere. This podcast is fully copyrighted by its hosts. Visit us at podcastmagicmissile.com. I Podcast Magic Missile, attacking the darkness since 2012.